This is Beck Lover and the Comeback Team. I'm here in quarantine in a miserable place somewhere deep down in the south of Jersey. But I have an amazing guest with me today, someone I met almost 20 years ago and have not really spoken to since then. I'm wow. very proud to uh, introduce one of the pioneers of reality television. He hosted some of the most popular shows on MTV. And he's got a lot more to his story than that. And I'm very happy and proud to introduce Eric Nice, my friend. Yeah, what's up, Beck? How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, Eric. First and foremost, it's nice to see you, I guess, virtually. Uh, the first time we met, I remember when we met. It was, I believe it was between 2000 and 2001, no more than 2002. We met in the East Village. We met at MZ's Lounge. My cousin, my older cousin, Beckham, who is a rock star of his own. I mean, that guy should have his own TV show, literally. <laughs> he should have had a TV show a long time ago. <laughs> like, the guy's amazing. We're hanging out up there at that lounge. He's like, yeah, you know, my boy Eric Nice is coming. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you know Eric Nice? He's like, yeah. He's like, fuck it. I fucking love that guy. <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough, you pop up. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy knows everybody <laughs> Beckham did know everybody bro he was incredible bro I love Beckham does. man I love him man that's Can my brother forever yeah <laughs> so I was watching some interviews to kind of brush up on your life and what you've been up to when I saw you with Rex Nervous Rex or whatever it was you were talking about yeah you were talking about my cousin and you guys were talking about when you guys actually met Biggie Smalls yeah or yeah. you were hanging out with him I, mean, well, I always heard well, those stories you know yeah, well, no, I, 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 Biggie did his first uh, television appearance on on the grind when we were filming in in Lake Havasu, um, and so that was the first time that I met him. And then um, Beckham and I ran into him a couple of times. Once we were on, we were uptown uh, by Central Park, and. Um, I think Biggie was walking through the park or something like that. And Beckham saw him and we went over and we started to talk to him. But there was one night where um, we were down in South Beach, Miami, at this place called the Tudor, uh, the Tudor Lounge. And uh, some friends of mine were, were, were promoting the party. And my friends were bartenders and barbacks. And my buddies worked the door. Like it was our whole crew that, that worked the season at the Tudor. And, um, and Beckham was, was in town and he's come, came walking down the street and with like four or five of his guys. And, um, so we're all hanging out outside and we see Biggie walking down the street. And so we had seen him obviously before. So we ran out onto the street and we, we invited him to come into the, to the tutor. And we spent like six hours with him that night. It was man. what an incredible night that was, man. You know, cause it's like, you know, you hear about these celebrities and you watch them, you interviews, but when you hang out with somebody like that for six hours, especially, you know, you're smoking blunts and he's drinking Hennessy and we were all partying, you know, so everybody's just loose and having a good time. And, and yeah, that was, that was awesome. I've yeah. always looked up to, to my, my, my cousin. Uh, I've always tried to, cause I mean, I always heard his stories and I saw, his pictures were Biggie on the wall. And, you know, I never knew you were a part of those stories until I watched your interview. That's why I'm bringing it up. It was fascinating. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, you know, just let me say, you know, because I know that a lot of your audience is out as Albanians. So, um, you know, Beckham and I met actually in, in, in Miami. Um, I think maybe I was like 23 years old and he was down there with Pete Nice. Pete Nice was, was uh, doing a, a music video and we shared the same hotel. And um, Beckham's outside uh, on the porch hanging out and I see Pete Nice and everybody and Beckham looks at me. This is a, such a funny story. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, yo, he goes, you're Eric Nice from the grind, right? And I was like, yeah. And um, so we start talking and we're hanging out and, um, you know, Pete was there and the whole crew. Oh, no, you know what happened? Pete, I think they went to go shoot someplace and Beckham decided not to go and he stayed back. And so we ended up, you know, hanging out that afternoon. And he was just telling me about all the Albanians and talking to me about the Bronx and everything. He's like, you know, he's like, when you get back to New York, you got to come uptown and you got to see me. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's crazy, you know, like, and I said, but you know what, let me, I'm going to give him a call. So I called him up and um, I went up to the Bronx and we hung out and I got to be honest with you, bro. Ever since that, what happened was, and why I have so much love for Beckham and all the Albanians is because uh, I made a shout out on the grind. And I think I'm, I know that one of the guys was John Chekai and the other guy was uh, Mike, Mike D I think, but both of them, or I don't know if it was John Chekai, it was Chekai and somebody else, but they were at Rikers Island. And, and I made a shout out to Beckham and Chekai and whoever the other guy was. And then I said to all those crazy Albanians up in the Bronx, right? And so the next day or that, that following week after the show aired, I went up to the Bronx to hang out with Beckham. And I swear to God, I'll never forget this day. He goes, he goes, E, you have no idea what you did. <laughs> and I said, what? And he goes, he goes, dude, you made a big mistake. <laughs> I said, why? And he goes, because these people love you up here, bro. I don't even know if you can get out of the car. And so I get out of the car. We were at a park someplace up in the Bronx. And, dude, I got out of the car, bro. And it was like, it was like a wave of people came out of nowhere. They came out of the windows, out of the cars. They came everywhere. I was just surrounded uh, by Albanians, bro. And till this day, man, everywhere I go, uh, ever since then, bro, 20-something years, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a club, anywhere in New York, Albanian will come up to me and they'll go, hey, what's up, B? You know, just want to let you know we're right over here. If you need anything, just let us know. So, you know, the whole Albanian community has showed me so much love over the years. And, you know, I'm just super grateful for that. I love Beckham and, and everybody's been, been so good to me. Awesome. I used to live vicariously through him. <laughs> and, through my, and, through, and through my uncle, may he rest in peace. You, you know my uncle, Nicky. I met you that night with him. So Yeah, of course. Of course I know Nicky. And uh, yeah. I'm actually hiding out in his hotel right now. That's where I'm at. I'm down in Cape May. Oh, really? Yeah, Beck used to tell me. He invited me to go down there all the time with Nicky, and I, I never got an opportunity to go down with them. But I heard so, so much about Cape May. I'm writing out the coronavirus down here. But I used to hear their stories, man, because they would all get together and talk about what they did the night before. And I used to dream, but I was younger, man. I was like 10 <laughs> years younger than them, you know? And yeah. I would dream of going out with them and, and hear their stories and how they hung out with you and this one and that one and Tyson and Puff Daly. This guy, <laughs> my cousin Beckham, I mean, he really got around, bro. 
He really got yep. around. You know why? Because he's, he's a great guy. He's an amazing person. He got an amazing personality. He's a good guy. You know, he's got your back. And if he says he's going to do something, he does it. He keeps his word, and people love that. Yep. So we went off on a tangent, but shout out to Beck L, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just gave him a call a couple of days ago. I got to reach out again. You know, life is kind of, you know, we, we've lost a few people. It's been kind of, these last 10 yeah. years have been really rough for everybody, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's been telling me. We've been talking a bunch on the phone lately. So, yeah, I'm and aware then, of it. So the reason I got you on this show is I find you to be, besides the fact I know you through my family, I, I've, I find your story fascinating to be honest with you. Thank you. Uh, you, you know, you, 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 you kind of, first of all, you considered historically, this is a fact, you're considered the first reality, like really, like when anyone thinks of the first season of the real world, I mean, you're the name that pops out. Bro. Mm -hmm. you know, no offense to the other co-stars, but I mean, I used to watch that show. I was young. And um, you're considered the first reality television. You're not considered, you are the first reality television series celebrity, bro. Period. Yeah. Look what you did to the world. You should be proud of yourself. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's um, obviously it's been an incredible first season of the real journey. World. Yeah. First season of the real world. How did you end up getting that? How did you end up getting on that show in a nutshell? Nah, it's just I, I was in New York doing like modeling and commercials, and it was just another casting that came through my agency. So just you went to the casting call, and that was it. That was it. Yeah. And then I saw in a lot of interviews. I mean, that was really the first season. It was not, mm -hmm. you know, it was not scripted. You had mentioned at times they tried to push that type of stuff, mm -hmm. but um, based on reality television, I mean, that was basically as organic as it was ever going to be. Really. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it was truly authentic. Absolutely. And when you went on there, I mean, you had no idea how big that thing would be, right? I mean, you had no clue. No, had no idea. We, we, you know, there was no reference, you know, it was the first time. So yeah, we had no idea what was going to happen. And now look. You also, you also uh, didn't really know how it would make you look, right? And so it aired, right? Yeah, that was challenging. Definitely. <laughs> it was my first my first spiritual experience that I've ever had was sitting in my living room, watching myself on TV and um, observing myself. And I didn't really like everything that I saw. But so did, you feel, was, did you feel yeah. like they were cutting it in a way that you didn't like it? Or do you feel that you just didn't like what you were seeing about some of the things you were doing? No, no, they, 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 I, they, they cut it exactly the way that I gave it to them. You know, I'm just talking about my own, my own behavior, you know, the way that I responded to things, how I talked to people, um, how I handled some of the situations, you know, in, in the loft with, with my other, with the, um, my castmates. So, yeah, you know, it was just, it was like, uh, it was just a growing experience, you know, really taking a hard look at yourself. I mean, everything was so new back then. Internet was kind of just kind of starting to get on the horizon. Cell phones mm -hmm. weren't really weren't really commonplace yet at that time, you know. Yeah, no, was, we all had pagers. We had pagers. I remember one clip from that season that I was like, man, I, I was. You gotta remember, I was a young teen, man. I was like thirteen, fourteen when this show came on. 
That's right. And I remember right. seeing you, and I didn't know you, and I didn't know my cousin knew you. And I, like I said, I didn't know you back then. I just knew you from the show. And I remember seeing that one episode where you're doing like a photo shoot, and there's like this hot chick, and you I'm like, man, I want to be this guy. I want. I was like, I want to be this guy. I'll never forget it. Now you told me that uh, I remember when I was watching like that. That ended up being one of the things that was actually kind of staged, though. Know? Like they kind of made that. That one, yeah. Bit. That that photo. That was a girl, a uh, woman by the name of Karen Bernstein, and yeah, they set that photo shoot up. Yeah. But was the kissing organic, or was it forced? Oh no, no, that was organic. They didn't force that. They can't they, stop everything you spoke. Well, they. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know what it is. It's they. they they created situations, but we, you know, they didn't, they didn't give us a script or tell us how to behave or how to act in those situations, but they, you know, manipulated the scene. Yeah. 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 So the show goes on, uh, you did your thing there. And now, I mean, people start recognizing you. Do you remember what it was like the first moment where you actually said, I think, fuck, I think I'm famous right now. Did you remember uh, that moment? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I remember there, I was in my neighborhood. I think I was in my neighborhood. I was driving in my car and there was a, like a bunch of girls that were in the car passing me and one of them, and they saw me and they flipped the car around and they just, they followed me wherever I went and they were scared to get out of the car to come up and talk to me. So they just followed me wherever I went all day long. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is what it's like to be famous. I guess. <laughs> you remember that thought though? Huh? Oh yeah, definitely, man. That's Damn. not an easy thing, bro. You know, people don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tricky thing, uh, to be able to, um, navigate, you know, through your life when, when millions of people, you know, know who you are and at any given moment, you know, somebody can come out of wherever and have something to say, whether it's, whether it's nice or not nice. Um, but you know, to, to be able to, to juggle that and, um, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I've thought about it myself and, and, and I think deep down inside, why I've waited so long to even do this podcast is I actually realized deep down inside, I, I'm actually scared to be famous. I know that sounds crazy to you. A lot of I've people around, are. I've hung around enough of you. I used to hang out with Tracy Morgan. I hung mm -hmm. out with Paulie D a few times. I mean, I've hung out with a lot of celebrities and I've seen what you guys go through. You got to have a lot of patience. And also, if that, like, let's say I would have succeeded when I was younger, I, I probably would have been one of the celebrities that died, 100%. Mm. Because I like to have fun, bro. I was crazy. I like to drink. I was a little out of hand. You know what I mean? I, I was, you know. So I think I could handle it now, but then there's a new fear. The fear is, well, what, what, what would it do to my kids? What would it do to my family? You know, it, I think there's a, there's a price for everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, so let me ask you this: What was what was one of your, I mean, did, what was one of your worst moments? I mean, with fame. I mean, what is it still like that now? Like, do people do people recognize you as much? They drive you nuts? No, not at all. Nobody recognizes me. Now I'll tell you what happened: was I was with my friends one day walking down a street in the city, and um, we were having a really good time, laughing, you know, um, talking about something, and you know, somebody somebody came into our circle and, and like interrupted what we were doing, 
you know? And it was like in the back of my head, I had this moment, this like epiphany moment. I was like this, this I was just taken out of the present moment, having a good time with, with my friends. And, and that stayed with me for a while. And as I thought about being present and being in the moment and that the more famous that you get, that those precious moments are taken away from you being out, you know, in nature or wherever it is out in public, you know, with your family or your friends, you know, like having a really good time. And I actually, um, at one point after I had gone through a whole bunch of stuff in the business, you know, with the, you know, uh, people being, uh, manipulative and controlling and stealing my money and, you know, cause it's just, just a lot of shady, lot of shady people in that business, brother, and really, really dark. There's some things going on behind the scenes in the entertainment industry that is, that is not pretty. And a lot of that stuff is coming to light these days, you know, over the last like 10 years or so, you know, people are starting to talk about that stuff. And I deeply researched, you know, the entertainment industry. I, I researched media. I looked at the, at the inception of entertainment and television and programming and all of those things. And so I went down the rabbit hole and I found out a lot of information that um, I wasn't really happy about. And I said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to be I don't want to be in this world. I don't want to be in this business working for these people where I'm just a number and I'm just a number in their figure. Um, and if you don't do what they ask you to do, you know, you're, you're disposable. And so I prayed one day and I asked for it to be taken away. I asked for my fame to be taken away so I could walk down the street and nobody, nobody recognized me so I could get that back. And so I, that happened. And so now I, you know, for years, I mean, it happened, it happened for the most part. Yeah, no, it, it happens. People 30, <laughs> people 30 and older. I mean, brother, they still know who you are, man. Maybe they're just more respectful, you know? Well, no, what I'm saying is, is that if I stayed in the game and I continued on the path and I was, I was a relative because you have to stay relative. If you're an actor, you got to keep doing movies. If you're, you know, if you're on sitcoms, you, you know, you're only as famous as your sitcom, right? If your sitcom is on air. So if you're an artist, you know, if you don't put out an album, you know, people eventually, and if you're not out playing and touring, people, you know, they're going to know who you are. They'll remember you, but your fame gets diminished. And that, that, that like teen idol, um, I think we, what we, we call it the, um, you know, it's like when you go to the mall and you can't walk through the mall and they got to rush you out of the mall because there's that, there's hundreds of people that are swarming you. And, and it was like that for me for the first, you know, three, four years of my career when, when I was on the grind and the grind was in 90 million homes around the world, I couldn't even go to the mall. So, you know, I, I didn't want that. I like going at that time in my life. I like going to the mall with my friends and my family. I like, you know, hanging out on the beach and chilling without, you know, 20, 30 people surrounding you with cameras. I don't like that. I don't, I don't want that. I used to, I used to fucking love that show, bro. It was you know, awesome. I was young. Listen, I was young, right? I was young. 
Yeah. So I would watch that show. It would air in the mornings too, bro. So I never understood why the fuck it'd be on the morning. It was reruns, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, we, we, would, we would do a bunch of shows, you know, in one or two days, and then they would run those shows for like a couple of months. And I would, you know, and I would sit there and watch your show, bro, and, and just daydream of what it was going to be like to go out and party. And I'd lay in my bed because I, I saw what my uncle was doing and Beck, and they had a crew of like 30 Albanians. They'd all go out and have an amazing time. <laughs> and I would hear their stories, and I was like, you know, you want to get, you want to be able to be a part of the fun, you know what I mean? Let yeah. me just tell you that in my fantasies, I was able to exceed my dreams as far as my life is concerned. Beck, let me tell you something, bro. It was as I was a local celebrity, all, bro. All you had to do, all you had to do was ask you was ask Beckham. And if Beckham would have asked me, if Beckham would have asked, no matter who it was, I brought people onto the grind all the time. People off the street. I'd be walking down the street and somebody would go, okay, can I get on the grind? Get on the grind? And I'd be like, what's your name? What's your number? And I would get them on the show. You know, cause that's when you, when you, when you can offer that to somebody, bro, that's, that, that's a good feeling. You know, I mean, people I happy. really, and I, I miss, I miss that component from MTV, man. Like what the yeah. fuck happened to the music videos? What happened to dancing? I mean, you kind of, you kind of, you know, not you, but the people that produced your show mm-hmm. and you de facto, in my opinion, led to the destruction of the MTV that we all knew, right? Because your yep. show started the reality fucking madness, bro. Bro, and you know what, what's even crazier is like, yeah, we did. We started all the reality stuff, but MTV, did, they didn't, at that time, they didn't have a video division. Like they didn't sell videos and then eventually CDs. And when we did the grind workout video, the grind workout video did so well that it started a whole new division for MTV. And then they started putting out like Beavis and Butthead tapes and uh, Eon Flux. And, you know, then they started to do some other types of videos and stuff. But, but yeah, the workout we video up, was no joke. The grind we opened workout, up the I mean. floodgates. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that shit was no joke, brother. You're ready. You were ready. Hey, from, <laughs> not bad for my cell phone, huh? <laughs> yeah. So do you still talk to anyone from that first season, man? From that first, uh, you talk to anyone yeah, from I the was just, I was just on, you know, when this whole court, I, I, I talked to probably Kevin and Norman the most. Um, but ever since this whole quarantine thing started, uh, Kevin put a, a group text together with all seven of us. And so we've all, every, you know, we, we're, we've all been getting updates on how each other are doing, you know, through this madness. You know what would have been sick if you guys were Zooming this shit live right now? <laughs> that would have been interesting. One day. That would have been I, interesting. I heard they're talking about doing another reunion maybe in a couple of years. And like the you know, 30, 30th reunion. And besides, you know, the grind, I mean, listen, you were on MTV for a long time, man. I mean, you, you, you did a lot of different things. You were, you were in movies. I mean, you met Tupac. I mean, you did all kinds. I can't, you don't fit into one session, right? You've done a lot of things in your life. Yeah. But you also said, you know what? I had enough of it. Mm-hmm. You reached, you reached the breaking point. I mean, listen, you were with the road rule challenges. You were the real world versus road rules. I mean, you, you, you were on there for, over a decade, man. I mean, much longer than that. I mean, you were into the early 2000s. You were, you were still pumping material out. And then you were on some other non-MTV stuff also. 
Yeah. Yeah, I did a little bit of stuff here and there. They convinced me to come back for a couple of things. And it was fun. Good times. Uh, did you ever go into any deep, dark holes? I mean, like, oh. I, I didn't have a chance to read everything, man, and catch up. And you got to forgive me. But, I mean, did you fall into the good. trap that a lot of celebrities fall into, man? Like, did you have any problems with drinking Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I was able to keep that under the radar. But I was partying and using drugs and in the club scene, you know, way before the, this, you know, the MTV stuff started, you know, when I was like 18 years old, I was in New York city going to clubs and partying, smoking weed, doing ecstasy, snorting Coke, drinking, going crazy, bro. I was in a club scene almost four nights a week. I loved house music. I was a deep house head. And so, you know, that club scene was like my release. And I was able to, you know, to go into those places and let off a lot of steam from things that happened to me in my childhood, um, you know, from a lot of emotions that were being suppressed in my body from things that happened to me earlier on in my life. And so I went to drugs to, you know, to try to, to, um, to cope with all that, that, that trauma and, and all that stuff from my childhood. And, and it got really dark, almost took my life. And then, um, And then uh, shortly after that, after, you know, I started to like, you know, walk away from the business. That's when I went my first teacher, um, my, my grandmaster, grandmaster Makdam. He was a, uh, who passed away about four, four months ago. Uh, but I lived with him for about seven years and he's a eighth generation uh, grandmaster of Chinese medicine and uh, acupuncture and a 21 den black belt and three martial three different martial art forms and grandmaster of the sword and i lived with him and his family uh for about seven years and sorry for your I, loss I, yeah thank you brother and that's where i got clean and um i trained like uh like daniel's son <laughs> it was like no, the karate so you, kid were, you were you years. were in, you were where were you where were you living with him where Well, I, I was I was still in New York City. I had my loft in New York City and my my business that I was trying to run. But he his family lived in uh, in San Jose, California, and so I would fly back and forth. I'd spend half of the year with him, and then half back in in New York. So you literally were with a master of like you named twenty different things. Like I can't even, like this guy was a master of martial arts. Mm-hmm. A master of ancient, uh, I guess you would call Oriental or Asian medicine, right? Yes. Ancient medicine, mm -hmm. which I believe in, by the way. I do believe in that personally. I do believe that there are some amazing methods, copying and stuff like that. I truly believe in. Um, oh, bro, let me tell you something, dude. I lived there for seven years. Uh, people came into our house. He was a healer with cancer, with uh, all different types of cancers, for which strokes, mental disorders, you name it. And I watched people come in and walk out, come in almost dead and walk out, come in almost dead and walk out. The, uh, this whole thing, there's no cure for cancer. It's all a bunch of BS. They've been, they've, been, they've been curing cancer for a long, long time. And I, and I actually assisted him, you know, with people that came through that had, you know, all different types of issues. How did you hook up with this guy, man? My brother met him four years prior. John? He, John yeah, met my him? Brother, yeah, my brother John met him four years before me with his girlfriend at the time. 
and he talked about the master, the master, the master for four years. And, uh, we were partying one, one weekend in Los Angeles and it was an all nighter. And my brother was taking two of my friends up to go see him that had drug problems. And, um, I knew that I needed to go. And so I went with them and that's, that's how I met him. That's amazing, man. So when we talk about this alternative medicine, which has become, I think, a very big subject lately, you know, mm -hmm. when we think of doctors like Dr. Sebi, right? You heard of him, yes? Who? What's his name? Dr. Sebi. No, I don't. I've he heard was the of one that, like, that rapper was mentioning that left eye was going to see and she died. There was a lot of conspiracy surrounding the guy that he had natural cures for a lot of the diseases. And mm. a lot of the people say that he was killed, man. And I'll be honest with you, I'm starting to think he was killed too. Probably was. There's some dark, evil stuff going on on this planet. <laughs> really I dark. I absolutely, absolutely um, feel that way. And I hope one day when you're back in New York and New Jersey, you'll give me a call because there's some things I definitely want to talk to you about off camera. Okay. For my I own guess safety. We could, we could talk about it now if you want. <laughs> uh, it's some pretty crazy shit. It's all good, man. I've heard it all, brother. And, and, and you, ain't seen, you ain't seen crazy yet. Wait till you see what happens this year with everything that comes out of this coronavirus and, and the exposing of some really nefarious, dark, evil, satanic stuff, bro. 100%. Going on. I'm 100% with you. It's all coming out. It's all I'm 100% with you on that page. I do agree. And I think what people mistake for aliens and shit, I think, is really demonic power. You know, the, the, the fourth dimension, as they call it, you know? Mm. There's a lot of cross-dimensional shit going on, in my opinion. Oh, but, yeah, it's multiple dimensions. No, I mean, now, you, now you're getting into my game right now. This is, this, this is my game now. But all that stuff, bro, the Illuminati, the New World Order, all that stuff that, you know, we've heard in all the rap music and all the songs and all, you know, the hand over the eye and the eye over the pyramid and all that stuff, where I've been studying and researching that stuff since I'm 22 years old, for 25 years. I'll, I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe and talk that knowledge with anybody. New World was, Order, Trilateral, or Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, all that stuff. I've studied it. I lived in a library for six months when I was 22 years old, and I read all the books, bro, before the internet came out. And, you know, there were VHS tapes going on, going on around on the streets in, in New York. And, um, you know, I studied all that for years. And now I'm just watching it play out, play out. And isn't and that the weird thing? Isn't that the weirdest thing is when you actually see it happening, you're going, wow, I fucking, I read about this. I saw this. It's actually happening. And you feel like, yes, you know, but you try to explain it to other people that maybe don't see what you're seeing. They look at you like you're fucking crazy, bro. Dude, there's a video that just came out on YouTube by, uh, I think her first name is Laura, Laura Eisenhower. She's the granddaughter of President Eisenhower. Wow. And she just put out a 13-minute video. Go listen to that. And now it's public, bro. So now very well-known people are, are starting to bring this information to the surface where you know, it was really what they were calling conspiracy theorists or alternative news type people, you know, that they were, you know, crazy. But there's a whole bunch of movies coming out, documentaries, 
all kinds of books and a lot of people. And this coronavirus has put everybody in their homes. And now everybody's questioning the legitimacy of this virus. And there's all this talk about 5G and now they're talking about vaccines and they're talking about um, the chips going in our bodies to, to, to um, you know, track us. And like all that information, it's like, you know, right people that I know my whole life that never thought about this stuff ever. And I've been talking about it for 25 years. And now, because of this virus and because of, of people being home in their houses and on the internet, surfing, looking for information, you know, trying to just pass the time, this information is now getting to people that have never even heard the word Illuminati. You know, like people that I know close to my family and friends, I have people now contacting me, asking me, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Did you see this video? Did you see that? And I'm going, have I heard about it? I've known about this for 25 years. And they're like, what, what? It's blowing people's minds wide open right now. It's incredible. The time that we're living in, there's never been a time on planet earth like this right now. And it, and you know, what's funny <laughs> It's because of this phone and it's because of the internet and it's because of reality television because it's a funny thing, bro. When I did the real world, I, I obviously, you know, I'm a thinker and so I'm always questioning why. So I, I want to know why these people are in my life. Why am I attracting these things in my life and why did I, become the first reality TV star for what in the bigger picture, the global picture and my place in humanity. Why did I, why did that happen to me? And so then I started my research and looking into, you know, what is television, right? I was talking about this earlier. So if I'm on TV, I wanted to know, well, what is TV? Why am I on it? And so I thought one day, so what was the real world, right? The true story. Seven people picked to live in a house to find out what happens when people stop getting polite. This is the true story. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. The truth. And then it hit me one day. We're all tired of it, brother. We're all tired of the lies. We're tired of the manipulation. We're tired of the control. People are, are unconsciously allowing themselves to be controlled by a system. And they don't realize that they're doing it. And now this time, the ancient people of this planet, the, 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 the elders, the grandfathers and the grandmothers and the, and, and the wisdom keepers and the shamans of indigenous tribes and cultures from all around the world, bro, they've been talking about this for a long time. The elders in, in the Hopi the, of the Hopi, there's a prophecy and it talks about this time as the great purification or the great awakening. And so what are we awakening to? 
we're awakening to the truth. And that's why all this is coming out right now. That's why the internet was born. That's why we have reality television. That's why we have Instagram. We got Facebook. We got Twitter. It's so millions and millions and millions of people can share their truth and, and share information so that the truth will be revealed and exposed. And we're seeing it right now on the world stage. All because of, thank you, coronavirus. Eric, I have a little bit of an issue with one thing, though. What's that? They're fucking censoring stuff, bro. They're censoring videos on YouTube. They're censoring yes. things on Instagram. They're censoring things on Facebook. So, They're yes, we have, this plat- we have this platform. Mm-hmm. But it's scaring me because everything's compounded only onto these pages right now. For the most part. Right. They're doing, they're, they're doing the best that they can to try to, um, to, demonet- to uh, um, demonetize and to censor as, as, as much as they can. But you've got to understand something. You're talking about millions and millions of people. Their system, they can't, they can't control it. You follow me? There's too much information being fast too quickly. So a video goes up and just like that, 100,000 people see it. And then they share it. And then it, all of a sudden, 300,000 people see it. It's too quick. Do you see what just happened with, with Bill Gates and Microsoft? You're aware of what, what happened? Where they well, just... Today, they put, as of, as of it today? Two, two days ago. Well, you know, Bill Gates is all over the news right now pushing his vaccines. And, so, I'll never, and I'll never take that fucking vaccine. You can put it in his ass. Ever. That's right. Nobody wants to. And I didn't take a to. flu shot either. And I didn't let my <laughs> kids get flu shots. And exactly. I, bet you, I bet you the majority of these people that are getting sick from the coronavirus, they took flu mm-hmm. shots. I'll bet my life on it. Right. I mean, I don't know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of disinformation out there. So, you know, we won't know what's true until the actual real truth is revealed. And that's always the interesting thing about politics because you got people – you know, that choose red or they choose blue, you know, but they're arguing over information that they don't even know if it's real or not. They're arguing over information that's being presented to them by somebody else. And you don't even know if it's real. So people are literally arguing about something that they don't even know if it's real or not. It's all deception. And so, but the thing that happened with Microsoft is Microsoft just recently released an ad about this new technology that they have where you put on these goggles and you see like a hologram image. I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, whoever's listening. Oh, I know can, what you're they, talking about. I know what you're talking about. You're okay, talking about right. That, 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 that artist. Yes. Okay. She's <laughs> straight up demonic. Exactly. Okay. All right. Yes. She. She's okay. a spirit cooker. She's a. She's a spirit. She's a cooker. Serbian artist, by the way. That's. That's. That's right. So, but what happened was Abramovich. Abramovich or whatever her name is. Yeah. Ma, ma, Abramovich. Yeah. Uh, Marina or something like that. Yeah. Okay. But 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 the point is the reason why I'm saying this is because they put that ad up. And within 24 hours, they got so many dislikes that they had to take it down. So you see what I'm saying? There's there, the information, it gets passed to too many people are aware now. And so one person puts up a video and the next thing you know, it goes viral like that. They can't control it. 
And I always thought about this, bro, with the internet. I said the internet was the biggest mistake that the dark forces on the planet ever made. They never should have came out with I mean, the maybe, internet. Maybe and maybe <laughs> not. Maybe and maybe not, Eric. Because nah. the World Wide Web, what does the web do? It entangles everyone. If that yeah. was the case, then why don't the people in China rise up, bro? Because they're censored. They don't see what the fuck is going on. Oh, no. They're scared, bro. The people in China, they get murdered. They'll this, kill them. But, but that's my point. But don't you get... Listen, Albania... You can't do that in America. But you listen. see... you. But hold on a second. The reason why they can't do that in China is because they already gave up their rights. They gave up their guns. Not in America. But they're There's trying to take our guns. They, they'll never... It's impossible. There's a video. Check this out. There's a video... Um, of the head of the militia that were speaking in Congress. And these are their words. They said, we're aware of what's happening. And if you don't do something about it, we're going to do something about it. We're waiting. Hmm. And it's too many just, people. Let's too just bring people. it out, man. The allegations are real simple, bro. There's pedophilia, child sacrifice. Yep. Yep. Organ harvesting, fucking uh, satanic Adre rituals, Adrenochrome, all of okay. it, brother. Yeah. You got, okay, you got this now. Some people think that, okay, maybe this is going to happen. They're going to take them all down and all that stuff. Let's say that they do. Yeah. Now, based on the. They're going to. Based on the Christian perspective and on the Islamic perspective, there mm -hmm. is a concept of what's known as an antichrist. Okay. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. What better scenario to usher one in if, you, he, if they come in and wipe out all the evil people? So there's that theory of no matter what we do, we're fucked, kind of. It's kind of out there. No. I mean, what's your, what's your take on it? No. I li I, I, I'm a warrior of the light. I believe in God, and I believe in ascended masters. I believe in angels. I believe in, in, in beings of light that have been assisting us and working with us. I've spent the last 25 years of my life on a spiritual path. I've been down in the jungles of Peru with the most powerful shamans in the world. I've sat in meditation with the same techniques that Buddha uses. I only put superfoods and organic foods in my body. I drink clean water. I meditate. I walk barefoot on the earth. I'm connected to nature. I'm connected to source. And my vibration and my frequency is high. And I have no right now? And I have no fear, my brother. I have that no fear. Sense, and that's the key. And what I've experienced in my life and the reason why I've gone down this path was because I wanted to purify and cleanse the lineage of my soul. And so what I do and the work that I do and where I actually am right now, I'm in the middle of the desert because I'm working with a client of mine and I'm rehabilitating him from drug use. And so this is what I've been doing for 15 years. And so I've always said, if you bring me an addict, I'll show you a wounded child. And so there's a subconscious programming that happens in all of us from the environment that we grew up in. And these programs get passed down from generation to generation to generation. And so what I'm interested in and the work that I do is deprogramming my subconscious mind 
and purifying and cleansing my ancestral lineage going back many, many lifetimes. And so this is the, 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 the path that I walk and, and I breathe it, I eat it, I sleep it, and I guide people through this process. So I have a completely different perception and outlook on life because I understand that my body is a temple and this temple is home to the spirit of all creation, whatever it is that you want to call it. And so I know because of my connection with nature and with source that if I'm in a dark room, there's no light in the room, right? And I light a match. What happens? The, the darkness mother. runs. The darkness runs. These are the law. These are the laws of the universe. This isn't me saying it. And people had, are, are, are waking up now to that truth. That's why I call this the great awakening. We're waking up to the truth of our soul. And these lies that have been going on for thousands of years and these other things that you're talking about, we're talking about the sacrifice of children. Now, you, you tell me, because this information is now public. This is, I'm not sharing anything new. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And most of your listeners have probably heard this because, because of the coronavirus, this information is coming out. So you're going to remember this. This show that you just did right now, this is the first time that you're hearing this. And you will remember this for the rest of your life. What happens if all of a sudden there are thousands, thousands of children that are saved from child trafficking, sex trafficking, sacrifices? What if these kids are alive? What if these kids have been underground for a long, 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 long time? And all of a sudden, thousands of kids and, and women, young women, are, are, are now out in public. And this information is shared with the world. You know what's going to happen, my brother? We're going to We're going to destroy it. Your, your heart, your heart, and my heart. And every single heart on this planet is going to break. And the compassion and the empathy that is going to come pouring out of millions, if not billions of people on this planet for those children and those women and the, and that have gone through that, you are going to see a tidal wave, a tsunami of love and compassion spread across this planet like you've never ever seen before and it's because of this thing that we're talking on right now that information is going to spread through your web to billions of people instantly and the time is now i see it i feel it you i've think actually it's gonna had, happen, you think it's actually bro, happening right now i've had visions i've had visions in my ceremonies i have visions in my meditation I've known about this information for 25 years, and now it's becoming public. So do I think it's happening? I know it's happening. I'm, I'm watching it happen. Speaking of meditation, mm -hmm. some of the greatest people on earth, the most influential people on this planet, 
period. Period. Yep. Were people who meditated. Mm -hmm. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Buddha, and so on and so forth. I mean, what do you think Jesus did when he went out to the desert? He, he spent 40 days. What do you think he was doing out there? So <laughs> um, I want to say that, you know, I am a spiritual man. I do pray every single day, period. I pray. Mm -hmm. And I believe in channeling your energy, you know, uh, in the sense of having an intention of where you're sending your energy. But yep. I, I've been, have been really starting to have this really big desire to really start adding meditation into my life. Uh -huh. And what would you say to those of us who don't know much? Of, we know the basics, but we don't know much about it. I mean, why is it important for us? How often do you meditate? And what are some of the most, if, if you don't mind sharing, mm -hmm. what's one of the most amazing things that ever happened to you because of meditation? Like I had a friend of mine who said that he would... Go, he was going in deep into meditation. He's one of my best friends. And he said he kept seeing this one lady in his meditation or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then like years later, he saw her exactly like he saw her in the meditation. She recognized him from her meditation, which to me was fucked. And I know he's not lying to me. He's like one of my mm -hmm. best friends. <laughs> and he goes, they met each other. And she's like, yeah, I know who you are. I've seen you too. And she's like, I meditate also. I mean... Channeling, is that what it's called? Ch channeling? Or vision? Vision? Uh, it depends. Channeling is when an actual spirit actually comes, the information from that spirit comes through you, and then you share that information that comes from that spirit or soul. Yeah, I'm kind of scared your body. of that. I'm scared of that aspect. I'll be honest with you. I'm scared of that aspect. Mm -hmm. But as far as viewing, I mean, is that, I mean, have you ever had anything like that happen to you, man? I mean, yes. So, well, I'll answer your first question about meditation. So Buddha, Buddha created a meditation technique called Vipassana. And Vipassana is, um, there, there are Vipassana retreat centers in more than a hundred countries around the world. And they're silent meditation retreats. And the technique that Buddha created was basically objective observation of the sensations in your body. And when you practice this technique, you're, you're invited to do it equanimously. And the word equanimity basically means like calm in the eye of the storm. It's being calm in the chaos, calm in the chaos of your mind, of your thoughts. And so when you do Vipassana meditation, you sit quietly and patiently and very still and you don't move. And all you do is observe the sensations in your body. Now, by the laws of nature, the way that the four elements interact, which we are the four elements, we are air, fire, water, and earth. So we have these four elements that we are, but we have a mind that thinks and has emotion and creates feeling in our body. And so in our life, we go through traumatic emotional experiences. And when we're children and we have these traumatic emotional experiences with you grew up in a home where there was abuse on some level, whether it was physical abuse, a verbal abuse, or sexual abuse, 
when you have a, a traumatic or a terrifying experience, it creates a vibration in your body, a feeling in your body. Well, if you didn't grow up in a home where your parents were uh, teaching you how to process those emotions and those feelings, what happens is that we hold these feelings and these emotions and these vibrations in our body. And we hold them in different places in our body. Some people hold them in their stomachs. You hold it in your heart. You hold it in, in your throat chakra. People are scared to talk. Heart chakra, uh, sex chakra, uh, your third eye. Wherever it is, these energies and these vibrations, they get stored in your body. And they cause all kinds of different complications because emotions are supposed to move through our bodies like water. But when you're suppressing an emotion, it's like you, you create a dam and then those emotions can't move freely through your body. And then you have a stomach problem or you have a, uh, issues with your intestines or your colon or wherever the trauma took place. So in Vipassana meditation with the laws of nature, what happens is you sit here quietly, very still, and you objectively observe the sensations in your body. Now, what does that mean objectively? It means that you don't cling to a feeling, whether it's a gross negative sensation or a blissful sensation. So if you're having an uncomfortable feeling in your body, you don't want to judge it and you don't want to run away from it. You just want to observe it. And by the laws of nature, if you just observe it and your mind is empty, and you allow the feeling to move, it will just naturally dissolve from your body. So what's an example of that? If you took a balloon and you took the balloon down to the bottom of the ocean and you let it go and you pop the balloon, what happens? The, the, the oxygen in the air, it rises to the top, up and out. In the center of the earth, we have, we have magma and lava and it heats up and then it rises from the center of the earth and it comes to the surface and it leaves. When the sun hits the water and the water evaporates, it rises and it moves. These are the laws of nature. So these four elements, they live inside of us. So when the mind is empty and we just objectively observe these sensations in our body from the traumas in our life, they will just naturally come out and dissolve. This is what Buddha figured out when he went into the desert, and this is obviously the story of Buddha, but he went into the desert, he fasted on water for 40 days, and he sat there in meditation and he observed himself. And he liberated himself from his own suffering. He liberated himself from the own suffering, from the traumas that he was carrying around with him, not from just this lifetime, but for many, many lifetimes. And so that's the, the, the technique that I practice is Vipassana. And I've personally experienced that in my meditation where I was sitting quietly, patiently, diligently observing the sensations and the feeling in my body. And when I found that middle lane, when I found equanimity, it was like a picture book of my life unfolded in front of me and it all left my body. And so that's the path that I've been on for many years. It's the reason why I go to the jungle and I work with ayahuasca because when you work with the shamans, um, especially in the Shipibo tradition, 
you work with the, the master plants in these traditions and you work with ayahuasca, ayahuasca assists you in, in going in. She's like a gardener and she goes in and she pulls the weeds out of your garden, the traumas in your life, the judgments in your life, the insecurities in your life, the fears that you have. And, and she helps you to identify where those fears come from, where the insecurities come from, where does the judgment come from? What's the guilt that you're, you're carrying around with you? What's the shame that you're carrying around? What, what are you embarrassed about? And so she takes you on a journey through your life and she shows you all of these things. And then when you see what it is that's happening, you purge it, throw up, you shake, you sweat, you have diarrhea. There's many different ways that you purge these energies out of your body. So that's what we're all going through right now. We're going through an awakening process, a great purification of the soul. And we're, and we're in a time of ascension. And what that means is, is that we're moving from the third dimension through the fourth dimension into the fifth dimension. Potentially, this planet that we're living on will become what's called a star kingdom, where there's only love here and no fear. That's why all of this is happening right now on the planet. And this is just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning. And so a soul cannot be in a third on a third dimensional planet, but also able to access the fifth dimension if it's carrying fear and judgment. Because fear and judgment doesn't exist in the fifth dimension. It's only love. It's a higher vibration. Fear and judgment is a, is a lower vibration. So they, 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 don't, they can't coexist there. Only, only love. And so that's what's happening on the planet. I'm not the only one talking about this. There's many, uh, many wisdom keepers and, and shamans and um, grandmothers and grandfathers from different uh, tribal nations from around the planet that are all, all talking about the, the time of ascension and the great purification and the great awakening that's happening on the planet. Question. The, you mentioned the, the ayahuasca. Yeah. Now you're talking about t uh, using that plant. Now uh, smoking it, and I mean, how, how do you how do you t how do you use it? How do you use the yeah, plant? Yeah, it's 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 a vine. It's a vine and a leaf from a plant, and you take the vine and the leaf together, and you boil it down into a brew, into a tea. And when you drink it, it has uh, it has DMT in it, and the DMT it covers your brain. And it, and it opens up a portal and gives you access to the spirit world and opens up a bridge into your subconscious mind. And so you're able to access the files of your soul. And you're also able to get assistance from the spirit, the spirit realm. And um, there's two times where DMT covers the brain in your life. It's when you're born and when you die. That's why when people say that they had a near-death experience, they saw the light. That's because DMT is released and to cover the brain so that the soul can shoot off into, um, you know, into, an, into another dimension so the soul can, can move on into its, its next life. Have you seen what other people see? Like they talk about seeing these elves. And I mean, yes. now, what, one of my fears has been, I mean, how do you know that that might not be the demonic realm just fucking with you? And I, they, I'm, I'm they, saying that they, was, I'm saying, that respectfully. I'm saying that respectfully. <laughs> they do. 
the the dark spirits are are there they're all from there. the you know from the abrahamic faiths they you know especially in islam they believe in a dimension called the jinn right uh-huh which where the word genie comes from right and, and the jinn are a species that are made from fire based on the islamic tradition it's the species of the devil okay but not all of them were evil you see there's good ones and bad ones yeah but the bad ones they try they try to they try to take mankind astray they try to destroy mankind and the islamic conspiracy theorists believe that the illuminati basically the reason they do their rituals on white and black checkered boards it symbolizes the crossing of those two dimensions uh-huh and they are basically worshiping the they are worshiping these spirits that are in the fourth mm -hmm. dimension Mm -hmm. And they're also starting to believe that the CERN project in Switzerland yep. is actually the portal that's going to allow that dimension to come into this dimension. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. Have you, have you, have <laughs> waste, you heard about that wait, project? Wait, yeah, yeah I've, been, I've known about it for years. Waste of time, waste of money. You don't think it works? No way. Dude, there's too many light beings here. There's two, the, the, they, they've, there's been a, a spiritual battle, a spiritual war that's been going on for a long, long, long time. Since, since the first human being, man. Since for a long, long time. Even, even, some would argue even before we were on earth, it's been going on. Yeah, well, light and dark, right? And so even in the, even in, in the, in the ayahuasca world, the shamanic world, you have shamans that work in the light and shamans that work in the dark. And you have to be very, you have to be spiritually discerning, you know? So from a, from a, I'm sorry to cut you off, but from a theological yep. perspective, Eric, I mean, I, ne I would never usually ask a guest this, but I guess I'll just, I mean, is there a certain, or is there a certain type of organized religion you follow? Is, is, are you a Buddhist? I mean, what, what do you, or are you no, just believe I, in a higher I, power? I mean, what, what do you, what would you classify yourself as? Um... I mean, if I was to say, you know, there was a religion that I follow, it would be nature. But you do believe in a creator and a higher power? Yes. Do you believe that that power is singular or there's more than one? Oh, well. What I mean, is there, only, is there, is there like one <laughs> true being that created everything? I think that there is the, the, I think that there is the energy and the frequency of source of creation you know if you want to put a label on it and you need to put a label on it you can do that but i just look at it as the the frequency and the vibration the there's of, one originator yeah i mean and and and, and it isn't the just source. and and you could say yes it is one but it's everything it's one it, but everything as one right so it's, you know, it's, it's like what's above is below, inside, outside. But to see the, the tricky thing is, is that, you know, we live on a planet of duality. That's not the case. And there's some places where it's all dark. And then there's some places where it's all light. We're act, we happen to be on a planet where it's both. That's why, you know, you know how they say, you know, which wolf are you feeding? Are you feeding yeah. the wolf yeah. of fear or are you feeding the wolf of love? And that's the challenge. From what I've experienced and what's been shared with me is that this is an experiment. We're here on this planet in an experiment 
and a spiritual battle for this planet between light and dark. And so we come here, we have free will, and we have a choice. You can either go down the road of fear or you can go down the road of love. You can liberate yourself from your fear. You can liberate yourself from your judgment. And then you can be a loving being, a compassionate, loving, empathetic being in integrity, fully responsible for your, your thoughts and your choices and your actions. Or you can slip, slip slip you know or there's some people that go down the road of complete and total darkness right so yes Yes. from what i right so what i've what i've gathered and what i what what what's been shared with me through multiple um avenues is that this has happened more uh five times and that the darkness has won all five times. And that's why we, you see ancient civilizations that, you know, they used to be here. Now they're gone. I mean, you can go way back and talk about the Lemurians and the continent of Mu and the Atlanteans. And then you can look at Egypt and the Sumerians and all of these ancient civilizations that all of a sudden they were just wiped out. Where did they go? And isn't it, isn't it funny that a lot of them ended up having human sacrifice towards the end of their time? Yeah. Isn't it I mean, funny human, how, human, that's been going on for, for thousands of years, bro. But when you da- say the darkness yeah. one, I, I agree with you. A lot of these ancient civilizations, mm-hmm. it was the darkness that ended up destroying them. Yeah. And I feel like for it's a tricky. long time, I feel like our country and the world, most of it was and still is as of right now, unless something changes, yep. we're on that path to destruction. A hundred percent. This is what religion you believe in, or even if you're an atheist. I agree. It's now or never, brother. It's now or never. We have really come to a critical point, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I mean, man. Shit. I mean, but 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 Beck, Beck, think about this, bro. Have you? I'm sure that you've looked at this stuff, right? Have you taken a Have you taken a look and see what it looks like outside? Do you see what's happening in nature? Do you see what the rivers and the streams and the oceans look like and how clear the New York City uh, skyline is? And the whole planet is going through this right now. This has never, ever happened in the history of the world. Since the Industrial Revolution. This has never happened where everybody is in timeout right now. And you're in Arizona, right? You're, You're in Arizona. I'm in um, Southern California. Yeah, oh, you're in SoCal. I freaking love SoCal, man. I went there for the first time in my life last summer. Oh, it's so beautiful here. Look, look at this. Wow. That's freaking beautiful, man. How far you live from there? Like you just walk down the path and you're home? Or? No, no, no. I'm here. I'm, I'm working. It's amazing, man. So you do this now. You, you are, I mean, well, do you have any of those like titles that your master gave you i mean did, did you did you reach you know did you reach any of those levels with him i mean um yeah i don't really talk about that stuff you know i don't right. I, don't, I don't i don't i don't like the labels and the titles and stuff like that yeah i saw here that it says on your website that you chanted with 2000 monks in the himalayas yeah 
That's freaking amazing, man. <laughs> what, <laughs> when did you do uh, that? <laughs> that was a, a puja for world peace. I went there with, um, with my teacher's uh, uh, wife and a group of people from, from California. We were there for almost a month. You know, everything you've evolved into – and you talk about the past and you went through dark things. I mean, is there anything there that you can share? Can you elaborate more? I mean, is that stuff you don't want to talk about? I mean, you want uh, about the dark stuff? I mean, you know, you say earlier in your life, like you mentioned before you kind of got into the scene with MTV, like you had went through some pretty dark things in your life. Is there anything yeah. that's not already public information? I mean, I, I don't want to, you know. Oh, no, it's all good. I, I mean, I've been through, you know, and I talk about this stuff before. So my brother and I, my brother, who I adored and I loved dearly and I idolized, who was a stud athlete where we grew up and really good looking, six foot two, you know, one of the best football players in the state at that time. Um, he couldn't handle how much I loved him and I wanted to be around him, so he tortured me. And so I spent about 16 years of my life being, you know, teased and, 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 and abused uh, by him. Now, my father, um, my father is a beautiful, beautiful man, but, you know, he, him, my mom and uh, him separated when I was 11, and I've never really had one real conversation with my father ever, and when he left when I was 11, I thought it was my fault that I was responsible because I asked him why he was leaving, and he didn't tell me the truth. Um, when I was 12 years old, I lost my virginity. I was raped by a 19-year-old girl. Um, later on in my life, I was brainwashed, manipulated and molested by a man. And, you know, with all the drug use and, and all that other kind of stuff, like, yeah, I was in a very, very dark place, you know, ready to take my life. Um, uh, almost, almost, um, almost killed myself. I almost killed myself a couple of times on drugs. Um, so yeah, I've experienced a lot of darkness. The first 21 years of my life, I was a destroyer. I didn't trust women and I didn't trust men. So because I didn't trust women and I didn't trust men, I didn't trust myself and I was reckless and I was wild and uh, nobody could control me until I met my grandmaster. And that's when I went into my, my, my heavy, heavy training. One of All my teachers, one of my teachers said that through despair, comes enlightenment one of my teachers that's yep uh, hamza yusuf an amazing human being um amazing human being uh but first of all you know it's not easy to to open up about these things and i mean you want to talk about a comeback story man you 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 know i'm so freaking proud to have you on the show right now you have no idea and thank you back you know, i don't want to keep you too much longer but I definitely, I'm not letting you off the hook without it. Like, you come to New York, you're coming to the studio. No <laughs> I, told, to I, I told Beckham the other day on the phone, I said, B, I said, get the crew together. And he could have done it now because the flights are really cheap. I said, I said, get, I the, crew come. I said, get the crew together, buy me a ticket, and I'll come for the weekend. I want to come and, to you, And he man. said, you got it. <laughs> and I'm going to come to you. Cool. No, I'm serious. I... I when things pick up a little bit, I had a really rough year, man. I walked away from a very lucrative job. Yeah. 
Okay, I was making, you know, listen, I wasn't making movie star money, but for the corporate world, I pretty much reached one of the highest levels you could reach. I was making some crazy money, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was going to the hospital in ambulances, okay? I was dying, bro. I was either for, either walk away from the job or die. What, for, what was the complications? What was the health complications? It wasn't the job. I loved Stress? it. it was the, the people that I was working for were so idiotic. Uh -huh. so low and so petty people that I treated like, like family, how they could just backstab you for not, you know, basically the environment that I was in was so ruthless for no reason. Uh -huh. and, and, and what bothered me wasn't that it, ha it didn't have to be, there was no reason for it to be that way. But I was surrounded by people that were full of darkness, literally mm -hmm. deviated. When I tell you deviated, I mean, deviated people. And I realized that it wasn't the job, it was them, and that if I didn't get away from them, I wasn't going to make yeah. it, man. I walked away yeah. from half a million dollars a year, brother. Good for you, I've, brother. So did I've, I. I've been struggling <laughs> ever since. You know, financially, it's been rough. People think I got it like that because they knew how I was making money. But I also sat back and I said, you know what? I want to know that when I die, when that day comes, that I did what I wanted to do. And when I started this show, I said to myself, if just one person ever recognizes me, because I don't really care about the fame, bro. I don't. If mm -hmm. one person comes up to me one day and says, you know what? Your show saved my life. Now, I'm pretty sure you, you know, you're, you're kind of off the grid from what I can tell. You're kind of like off the grid, bro. No? Right here? Yeah, pretty much. But, but most of the time or not? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to be. I'm not really attached to either way. I, you know, I've... I, it's an interesting thing, you know, like after I went through the Vipassana meditation, um, experience, um, and, and a lot of my work with ayahuasca and, you know, healing my past and not just, not just this lifetime. I've, you know, I've gone deep into, you know, many, many past lives. Um, I'm just content. It doesn't matter where I am. I could be here sitting on a rock or I can be sitting on a rock in Manhattan doesn't matter i'm content because because you know how to control it, it from here it's equanimity it. equanimity so, so you would recommend them for for someone that's new to meditating that they they would start with that with that type of meditation every single person on this planet should do vipassana meditation what's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to you meditating man I'm a dude. I, I mean, to think about what I'm telling you. Okay. So this is what happened. It's, it's, it's incredible, bro. So I go to this Vipassana meditation retreat. It's 10 days of silence and you meditate from four in the morning until eight 30 at night. You do like six different sessions. You get some breaks in between and you have lunch. So you basically are in a room with like, depending, I was there with 70 people, like 35 uh, women on one side, men on the other. Nobody can talk to each other. You don't look at anybody. You're just in your own world. And so you're sitting there and in, in you're meditating and they're teaching you. Every time that you go in, they're teaching you how to do the technique, how to do the technique. So for the first three days, they have you focusing only on this part of your face. You're, you're focusing on the, the air coming in and out of your nose, feeling the wind on your whiskers, in, you know, around the rim of your nose tingles on your nose, on your lips, and that's it. So for all day long, that's what you're doing. 
And then on the third day, they say to you, okay, three sessions a day, one hour long, we're, gonna, we're inviting you not to move. Don't move your hands. Don't move your face. Don't move your body. Don't change your posture. So you got to stay in that position. And so the first three days, everybody's antsy. They're agitated. You know, your knees hurt, your back hurts, your ankles hurt, you know, to sit in one position for a long time. And so when I went in there, I had all these problems with my, with my body because of um, uh, athletics in my life and all these different injuries. But what I didn't know, I was carrying around all of these suppressed emotions from the traumas in my life. And so on that third day, when they said that, I went into a panic. And I was like, there's no way I can sit here for seven days and not move. And I said, I got to go back to my room and I got to have a serious talk with myself about this. And so I go back to my room because you can, you can choose to, to meditate in your room during some of the sessions, not all of them. And uh, so I sat there and I said, okay, uh, I got to objectively observe the sensations in my body, not move, completely still, and don't cling to a blissful sensation or judge or run from a gross sensation. So I would start to meditate and like five or 10 minutes in, my back would start throbbing. My shoulders would start throbbing. My hips would start throbbing. My knees, my whole body was like a stone of fire. And I started to reflect on my training from my teacher because I went through a lot of pain with him to training in iron palm and all these different things, doing the same, you know, thousands of kicks and punches and all kinds of stuff, you know, 12 hours a day, day after day after day. And so I said, you know what, I've, 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 I've experienced pain before. And so I'm just going to observe it as, as difficult as that is. And so I got to this point where my fingers they were just starting, everything started to like come in, like I had really bad arthritis. And then all of a sudden, I hit the sweet spot of what they were talking about, where I was objective and I was calm in all of that intensity, all that chaos. And I just observed the heat and I observed the pain and all, and, and that's when that picture book thing happened. All of a sudden, it was like my life, just like, it, it, you know, it was like a, a film, you know, what's that, the, you know, the, where you hear the film ticking <laughs> and you see, yeah, you see the frames going and it was like that. It was like the frames of my life and all these experiences, they went and all, and this, all that pain and discomfort started to leave my body. And what's amazing is that when I first got there, because I have two slip discs in my back. When I, would bend, when I would bend over to touch my toes, I could barely get my fingers to the ground. And when I walked out of that place, after 10 days of only meditating, I could put my chest on my thighs. Still today, it's never, it's, it's never come back. I don't, I don't even, I don't even exercise and I can literally put my foot over, over my head. Shit. It's crazy. 
And so I, so I experienced it. You know what I mean? Like you, I, I, you know, it's not like I'm talking about something that I read in a book. I'm actually sharing with you. I'm explaining the experience that I personally had. So I know that it's possible. So if there's anybody that's listening, that's carrying any kind of anxiety, depression, um, low self-esteem, you know, you're, you're easily, you know, bothered, you're impatient or all of those things. Go sign up for a 10 day silent, you know, meditation and do exactly what they tell you to do, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And the funny thing is, is that when I walked out of my room on the fifth day, after I had that experience, I went into the, into the, uh, the cafeteria and there's, you know, everything, there's writings all over the place because you don't talk to anybody. So everything is written out with all the, you know, the instructions. And I've read this one paper and it said, um, while you're doing this meditation, we're not asking you to sit in extremely gross sensations. (laughs) You're not here to torture yourself. And if I would have read that when I first walked in, I probably wouldn't have had that experience. So the advice that I'm giving right now and that I'm, I'm sharing is not from Vipassana from the center. This is from my own personal experience. So I would say if you do experience the gross sensations, sit in them and observe them because only amazing things can come from it. Yeah. So, um, this is like a lot of extraordinary stuff here. Definitely going to do a follow-up with you one day. I want to do it in person one day. God willing. Let's do it. Even if I, even if I got to fly you out myself, let me <laughs> say a couple of things real quick. And then just because it's a hot thing right now, you know, what do you think about this 5g? Bro? How do people say 5g doesn't hit you at all? I mean, how can waves, I think all these spikes and autism and all this crap, I think it's from these waves that people say that they don't do nothing to you. What do you mean yeah, well, the, I mean, there's a lot of factors here, but, you know, you're talking about electro, uh, you know, electromagnetic frequencies, you know, you're talking about radio waves and you're talking about, you know, microwaves and all of these different waves, they're frequencies, right? And so our body is vibrating, you know, every single cell in our body, there's electrons and there's, you know, neutrons that are spinning around every single cell and our heart is beating. So we're, we're actually creating a vibration and then our mind comes into play and the way that we think and how we feel when we have emotion, it changes the vibration in our body. So, you know, we are basically humans of vibration and sound and frequency. So of course those waves are going to affect us in some, some way, the question is, is it harmful or is it not? And there's tons of information out there already of, you know, people that live close to, you know, high-powered electrical wires, you know, that have health complications. And there's people now that live close to these cell towers, 5G towers, and they have health complications. So, you know, I think, you know, the answer is yes. Does it affect our bodies? Absolutely. How bad does it affect our bodies? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not um, an expert on it. You know, I haven't, you know, studied it extensively, but 
I definitely don't think that it's good. And I don't, I would never put myself or my friends or my family anywhere near it. I would tell them to, to, to move away from it as fast as possible. That's me personally. How we talked about like the entertainment world, all these people in the background and stuff like that. And when you mentioned the word vibration, I mean, to me, I feel like there's been this collective focused effort on these forces parts to fuck with our vibration, to make it lower. Yeah. To create anxiety, to create stress, the news. I feel like they try to put human beings into a worked up, very dark, very depressed, and basically, for lack of term, to extinguish the light that's within us. I agree. It's how I felt for a very long time, man. Yeah. And I fought against it, and I've fallen victim. I go back, like you say, like, you know, we talk about you going to these phases in your life, and some of us are into that, like, I keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. I know the right path. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get on that path. I feel like I've been on it for very few moments in my life where I felt this bliss. I felt one with the force, with nature, with people, and I felt amazing, man. But I yeah. know that I have never felt it again. Like I feel like I've fallen off so bad, and I'm trying to get there, but I felt it for a very brief moment, man. I'm going to tell you something. And, number and, one, and the, the we call it one. the light. Literally the word and what I follow is called the nur. And nur means the light. The light that comes into you when you've achieved the understanding of why you're on earth. What your yeah. purpose is. Well, there's ways to raise the frequency. You know, first and foremost, you know, you, you, you have to clean your body out. The number one thing, it, it's, it's the foundation. It's the, found, it's the foundation. It's what holds the light is the physical body, right? And the I'm light. in bad shape, Eric. Eric, that, I'm in you bad gotta shape. Clean, you got to clean your body out. That's first. I'm in bad shape. Now, when you say you eat good foods, and it's like, do you eat meat or is that out? Nah, very, very, very rarely. And if you I just do, don't, I just don't like it. Okay. So you stick, so you're, you're basically in a vegan lifestyle. Yeah, pretty much vegan, raw. Yep. Raw. Yeah, fruits, vegetables, seeds, and, and nuts. I mean, you're always in amazing shape. So it's not like you did it because of your body, but um, there's no way you're not healthy. I mean, you're shitting potpourri the way you're eating. Uh, you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> you're eating amazing. I mean, you know, this is the temple, bro. The temple. Do you fast at all? Yeah, just fin- I'm just uh, just finished up a fast. How, yeah. Do you do it every day or just periodically? Um, you know, it depends. You know, right now I'm on a really, really special diet because I'm on a plant dieta. Um, so I'm dieting uh, to these two plants from the jungle. So I have to eat certain foods uh, to create um uh, uh, uh an environment of harmony for the plants to grow energetically inside of me to share their knowledge and information with me so i'm on a really really special kind of strict diet at the moment now, now you're open to people can contact you they can hire you to help them right 
Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what they I'm can, doing right now. I'm working with to, a, a heroin they client. To, they can go to your website, Eric E R I C Nice N I E S dot com, and I'm going to put it up on the video. But they can go to the website. They can reach out and they can schedule this treatment, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I do one on one calls. I do phone sessions, and then I do in person sessions, and then I do long. Um, cleanses like I'm doing right now is for a month. Um, I'm doing, I'm in a, uh, doing a drug rehabilitation right now for opiates and heroin. And so we've been in the desert now for two and a half weeks and it's a very intensive detoxing process and I, you know, modify the you, food. You don't, you don't drink at all no more. Right? You're done with all that. You're done with alcohol, right? Never, never. I haven't much. drank in almost eight years. Oh, good for you. Nice. You know, I uh, stopped when I lost somebody very close to me. And, uh, but I fought alcohol my whole life. I went through years where I didn't drink. I drank. I didn't drink because I never, I knew spiritually it was a no, it's the reason why they call it spirits, right? I mean, it really destroys <laughs> yeah. your, your, your soul. And I, I don't like the person mm. I was when I drank. I don't like, I don't like that guy. Yeah. Good. But I never went to like AA or anything. I just did a cold turkey on my own. And, uh, but I went to an AA meeting. Somebody had made me go just to like check it out. Like years, I had already been sober four years, mm. and I found it to be very, very. I can see why it helps people. It's, it's you know being yeah. together and focusing. But in any event, this ayahuasca, right? You don't feel like that's purely from your perspective medicinal. Like so, if someone was like. And you're, you know, maybe struggling with these things. You would, would you recommend them? Maybe, I mean, not that we're doctors, we're not recommending. But do you feel that this would help them find out what's really wrong with them? A hundred percent. I think a lot of people have been telling me to do this shit, man. I got a fucking incredible, crazy mind. I have access to some short people, shaman in New York. But something tells me, man, if I ever do it, I, I want to do it with you, bro. Let's go to the jungle, brother. Fuck, man. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when the, I was on my way there when the quarantine hit. I was actually bringing a client there. And uh, two days before we were about to leave is when the quarantine hit. We didn't go. And then I opened this, opened up this job. And we're leaving here, actually. And we're going um, We're going to be doing like seven ceremonies next, next month. Now, when I watch people like Joe Rogan, who I'm a big fan of and you know, he talks about some of that stuff. Um, from my understanding, it's like a few minutes, man, but it seems like a lifetime. Uh, it's hours. Could when be anywhere from, yeah, it could be anywhere from two to six, seven, eight, nine hours. Depends. But that you're under it or? Yeah, yeah, or you're, in, yeah you're feel, feeling the effects of, of medicine. Yep. And you said that you might throw up, you might have diarrhea, you might. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, called getting well. But you, I mean, you'll shit yourself right there, right? You just leave you. I mean, I'm not saying it to be no, funny. No, no, you go, no. Know you go, no, no, there's people, there's assistants. There's people that are in the room that will help you go to the bathroom. If you need help to go to the bathroom, someone brings you to the bathroom. And this is yeah, a stupid question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, just because I want people to know what to get into. On a scale of one to 10, how many people out of the 10 will actually have get like that type of a reaction? Do you think? If, they, if, you, if you commit to the medicine and to the path? Yeah. 10. We'll get diarrhea, maybe vomit, all that stuff. Yeah, in the beginning, you 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 know, you clean. You're you're because what you're doing is you're cleaning out your body. 
your, your detox in your body. So usually in the beginning, when you first start, when you first drink, you usually go to the bathroom because it cleans out your intestines and your colon first. And then once that's all clean, then you can start to move into different places of your body to clean other things out. Do you know why ayahuasca amazes me and why I'm so fascinated by it? Is the fact that everyone that has taken it has the same exact experience. And everyone seems to say that they see these elves, these mechanical elves or whatever they are, okay? Mm. So how is it that this one substance can make everyone see the exact thing unless you are maybe entering a portal? Well, the ayahuasca, there's been, you know, relics that have been around for 5,000 years. It goes all the way back to the Inca. And the Inca, they passed the lineage of ayahuasca to the Shipibo. And the Shipibo is who I sit with in Peru. And um, the Shipibo work with thousands of plants in the jungle. And about, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the people didn't even drink ayahuasca. Only the shaman drank ayahuasca. So you would go to the shaman with an issue. And then the shaman would drink. And then he's, his vision would open up. And he would be able to see inside of that person whatever their issues were. And then they would, they would give them different plants um, to diet, to help heal whatever their issue was. And so they, you know, the story is, is that about 30, 40 years ago, ayahuasca started to speak to the shamans and said, it's time for the people to drink, to drink her. And, and it's all a part of what's happening on the planet now because ayahuasca is all over the globe. I go down to Peru and I, there's people there from all over the world, Russia, Spain, UK, Africa, they come from all over the world to go there. And, and the this shamans. Partly, yeah. This partly has to do with people of your caliber. I mean, Joe Rogan was the first time I ever heard about it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be frank here. I think, you know, some of you high profile people that, you know, you've kind of opened the world's eyes up to this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised at some of the people that are drinking it that, that uh, you know, the public doesn't know about. Yeah, Eric Nice, uh, I'm going to close it out here, brother, because your time is valuable and, you know, I really appreciate it. Um, so as far as fame is concerned, that's a closed chapter for you. You don't want nothing to do with that shit. Right? I mean, you're, you're, you're done. I mean, if um, or you're going to try to use it for good. I mean, whoa, whoa. Where, do you, where yeah. do you see Eric Nice? Where, is, where do you see Eric Nice? I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a show right now, a TV show that I've developed that's called the secret plants of the, the secret life of plants. And it explores the relationships of the indigenous tribes around the world with different medicinal plants and all, all kinds of plants that they use for, for healing and transformation. And so, you know, if one of the networks wants to do a, a show like that, you know, then yes, I would like to use those. Platforms. You know who would probably, you know who would probably do that show? Vice. Would probably yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna shop it around and we'll see what happens. But you know, I just want to tell my story. Um, I want to continue to to help and serve people. I feel like that's what my calling is, and um, I enjoy it. I love being in service to people and help pulling them out of the darkness. And so that's really my main focus, but I'm going to do uh, a documentary on my life. I'm working on a, my book, um, my life story. And if I can uh, produce a TV show that can raise awareness on um, 
you know, different things that help people to transform and heal, to raise the vibration on the planet and assist in the ascension process, then I'll do it. Yeah, definitely. Then I would have to guess a big believer in the law of attraction to them. I guess vibrating. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe I can be your guinea pig, man. (laughs) On the show. Let's do it. I'll be the guy that does ayahuasca for the first fucking time. I mean, I got, listen, God knows what's going to happen. Yeah, if you want to go. Listen, I'm carrying a lot of bags, man. I am. I'm carrying a lot of bags. That's all right, brother. I got a lot of heartache, man. I've lost a lot of good people, man. I've lost family in war. I survived 9-11. I mean, I've seen some crazy shit in my life, and I carry that sorrow, man, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like a bellhop until you can carry the bags peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, so my brother, Eric, um, you've also, and I'm going to close it out with this. I mean, going back to the material world and being childish and being all about the fame and all that stuff, you got to date some of the women that people in their lives dreamed of. You, you, you've done things that people wish they could do, fantasize they could do, and that's, that's what I want them to take from this. You've done all of that, and you're here to say, like, it's really not what the fuck you think it is. It's not all that. It's not, you're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would want the audience to understand here is that you had all of that. You've done it. I mean, you hung out with people that people dream of hanging out with, to this day, you dated people, Pam Anderson, no? Yeah? Yeah. In your past. Yes. You're married now. You're married now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you've evolved, man. You've completely came out of one whole entire dimension, literally your own dimension, right? That you were in that, that world, the fake world. Mm-hmm. And now you're living in the real world. <laughs> right? Praise Jesus. <laughs> You're living in the real world. I saw that was a really cool picture you had of, uh, of uh, I mean, if that's even how he looks, but you had, I'm not into the big with the images and stuff, making pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I saw the image of, you know, what people call Jesus meditating. Yeah, yeah. And today I had a conversation about meditation. It's very weird. Before I spoke with you, one of my good friends is now meditating 800 days in a row. Nice. His name is Kenji Summers. Can I ask you, have you ever heard of um, Kava, Kava Root? Yeah, I've had it in um, Fiji. I loved it until I ended up being allergic to it. Tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Kratom? Oh, no. No good. It's no good, right? No. It can be you know, I, I'm, you know, the thing is, it's kind of like, the question is, well, what are you looking for? What's your intention? And then where, who's the master, right? What, where, where are you going? I like the way you, you put going? that. Say that you one know? more time. I like the way you said that. Say that one, that's, that's a, that's, say that one more time. So, you know, it's, what are you looking for? What's your intention? And who's the master? Shit. That's powerful shit right there, man. Seriously. Because... That's and that's something that I kind of believe in. It's called the Nia. It means the intention. Absolutely, it's all about the intention. It's what, how, how are you engaging with the substance? What do you know about the substance? What relationship are you building with the substance? 
Do you have a relationship with the food that you eat? Do you see like you have a relationship with your wife or your husband? You have a relationship with the people at work. You have a relationship with, the, with your dog or your cat, you know, but I, I look at things. Well, do you have a relationship with your food? Do you have a relationship with your water? Do you have a relationship with the sun? Do you have a relationship with your medicine? How well do you know your medicine? What are the effects that that medicine is having on your body? My medicine is the earth because I know that I can trust the earth because the earth, these four elements, air, fire, water, and earth, they unconditionally give of themselves to each other and to us constantly. As soon as they stop giving, we die. So all of the answers, all uh, the Shipibo, they say that there's a plant for everything. There's a plant for everything to heal. And I believe that, you know, I've been working in, in this path now. With, you know, it's, with also the found, it's also found in almost the, the, what's soon to be the biggest religion in the world. Uh, in the Islamic tradition, in the Quran, it also says, for every disease, we have provided a cure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a plant, there's an herb. And so I lived with my teacher who was a, a grandmaster of herbs. But they say, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but they say the only thing that has no cure in their tradition are diseases that come from promiscuity. Mm. Isn't, that, isn't that coincidental? Herpes, AIDS, there's no real cure for them, bro. I don't know about that, brother. Well, well I think they got one to AIDS now. But what, what, what were you saying about, sorry, cut you off with the shaman? <laughs> what, what did you say about the shaman? Yeah, so I mean, I've, 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 I've lived with, with masters on from all different levels that have used herbs and plants and flowers to heal people with supposedly non-curable diseases. And you've seen these people that based on what you're telling me, they should have been dead. Absolutely. Wow. People you know, that they said that, that they got, you know, you got a few days to live. <laughs> and he brought them back. Listen, I've heard these stories. I've heard the conspiracies, how these people got killed and shit. But when I hear it from you, brother, I believe it, man. I believe it. <laughs> For me, it's different. You know, I mean, hey, you're not you some guy what? that I just, you know, I know who you are, man. I know what kind of person. Even the first time I met you, I never forgot you, bro. You were just mad. Like, I felt this energy from you. Like, you were just mad, chilling. I'm like, this guy's fucking... You, you, you were not the way I thought you were going to be. Hey, listen, don't believe me. Pack a bag and come down to the jungle so you can see for yourself. Brother, I promise you I will. I'm a little scared, so I'm not going to lie. That's okay. It's good I to be scared. I have my theories about the elves, bro. But <laughs> I mean, maybe, those, maybe those elves are your friends. Listen to me, man. It's a, it's a, for me, it's, it's a, we'll talk about this more in person. I'm a, I'm a little nervous, bro. I'm a little nervous. I'm, look, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to, to our, our next elf talk. <laughs> Eric, I just want to say one thing, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome, bro. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. People that have issues that they, you know, seriously, man, especially with all these psychological issues and these pharmaceutical drugs, honest to God, my opinion, 
I think half these, if not all of these school shootings are happening from kids on these drugs, man. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think they're, I don't they're know suffering. About that. They're suffering, they're suffering from, from horrible issues inside. Yeah. They take these drugs that their doctors give them. One of my, listen, one of the guys that comes on my show, he's a, he's a psychiatrist. He can prescribe drugs. Me and him, we go at it all the time. I mean, we go at it. Bro, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I've been, I've been rehabilitating drug addicts for 15 years. There hasn't been one addict that has come to me that has not had a wounded child inside. You bring me an addict and I will show you a wounded child. 100%. There's a video that I just posted on Facebook. You can take a look at it. There's a woman who goes into prisons and she does inner child healing work with the inmates. It's a very, very moving six-minute um, uh, little, little trailer about this woman's work. And, bro, everybody on some level has experienced abuse in their childhood. So the question is, are you still carrying it around with you? Are you still suppressing those emotions in your body? And if you are, then that's the cause of your anxiety and your depression if you have it. It's, that's the cause of your insecurity. That's the cause of your fear. That's the cause of your judgment. That's the cause of your guilt, of your shame, of your resentment, of whatever it is that happened in your past that you have not transformed, healed, accepted, and let go. Bottom line, there, 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 there is no other way to get out of your own suffering. There's no other way to liberate your soul from your own suffering unless you go back into the past and you heal it. That's it. That's it. And this is coming from 25 years of me exploring this extensively with my masters and the jungle and the plants and the meditation and the life that I live. I will walk off of this planet one day and that will never change. This is what Buddha realized. This is what the great prophets, the prophets realized. The, the, the names that have lasted throughout the ages. That's why their names have lasted throughout the ages because they liberated themselves from their own suffering. They are ascended masters of themselves. They mastered themselves. They mastered their emotions. That's it. End, end of story. You don't need to read a book about it. That's not going to get you anywhere. Going to a church isn't going to do it. Just saying, oh, I, I accept, you know, Jesus as my Lord and no, Savior. No, you have to know how. No, you got to do what he did. That's what the whole point is. He's the example of that. Exactly. I agree. And, and, and that's the only way that we can inspire and teach others and teach our children. Is to they be were the examples. These. 100%. I 100% agree with you. And I also believe that that higher power sent these examples all over earth throughout time to every different mm -hmm. people, man. Yes. Eric, my last yep. thing to you, and that's it. One last question. And I hope that this hasn't happened yet. 
Because if it hasn't happened yet, then I want to be the reason it does happen. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Albania? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready Bro, to go. <laughs> let me tell you something, man. You want to talk about nature like you've never seen in your life? I'm ready to go, bro. I'm it will ready. Blow, listen to me. It will blow <laughs> your mind away. I'm, I'm ready, bro. I'm God ready. God willing, when this all resolves and I can recover a little financially because I'm hurting right now, uh, we're going to take that trip. And maybe I hope my cousin comes with us, man. He will definitely come. <laughs> we should, <laughs> we're going to we Albania. Should, we, should, we should listen <laughs> to me. You want to talk about seeing crystal clear water. And then oh, all man. of a sudden, you're looking at these massive mountains. And I just, I can't explain it. So you've been there, man. I, I'm not talking because I'm Albanian, man. I want to clarify. No, I, I've, I've seen some photos, bro. I would love to go. I want to clarify, to go. okay? Because it's not like we're going to go stay at the, you know, the Marriott Hotel. And, you know. I'm cool in the tent, brother. <laughs> Eric, I look forward to seeing you in the flesh, my brother. It's been almost 20 years since I've seen you. The fact that you, the, the, so the people that know me, and there's about a couple, you know, thousand of them now. This guy only met me once, 20 years ago. I didn't even have to call my cousin for a favor. He met me once or twice. I think it was once, really. And the fact that you remembered me, but it does help that I have my cousin's name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want to shout him out again. And the guy, listen, he took two hours out of his time. And you were humble back then, in my opinion. I mean, I didn't know you that well. And I think, uh, I think you're, you've definitely done some amazing stuff. I look forward to really – brother, I think I might – I think I'm going to do it, man. I'm ready. And I think I'm going to do it with you. I'm scared shit, but fuck it, man. Let's go, brother. Just let, let I, me know when you're ready. I have one of my best friends wants to do it too, man. You know, we'll, we'll maybe put a crew together. Okay. Sounds good. Eric, brother, anything you need in New York, Miami, and Vegas for that point, let me know. <laughs> Thanks, Beck. I appreciate I it, man. You, the stuff that I have for you is probably not stuff that you need anyway. And the <laughs> fact that you don't eat, you probably don't even eat steak anymore, right? And no, not really. But I'm not opposed to it. I just That's don't true. eat it. Yeah. What do you think about CBD, brother? I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it's positive, man. The, I think so the, too, man. I don't. I'm not crazy about marijuana, but so like I like CBD, man. Yeah. The cannabinoid system in 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 your body is is everything, man. It's what it's keeps phenomenal. us in. Yeah, it's what it's it's what you know keeps us in balance. Homeostasis. Do you use it? Do you use? CBD yeah, okay, occasionally. Yeah. My friend owns one of the best. When I tell oh, nice. you the best, fresh CBD. Nice. Phenomenal. I mean, I'm talking like about the highest, it. the highest grade you can. Think. Let me know. I'll send you out a care package. Okay. Yeah, Text send it address. out. I'll have, okay. him, I'll have him send you a care package. But he has a, you want it in drop form? Do you want to smoke it? No, I don't you, want to smoke it. Liquid. Liquid? Okay, we have drops. He has pills. and he, Yeah, I like the drops. The drops yeah. are the best. I'll send you a bottle out, my brother. Sounds How the good, hell are you brother. still better looking than me, man? I thought one day I'd... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd make... Look, look. Look this, man. I'm in bad shape. Please. We got to take care of you, bro. But I had a rough couple of months, man. I know, I know. I never thought I'd be this fat, man. It's really, to be honest with you, it's depressing, though. I'm ready, yeah, though. I understand. All right, Eric. Let me, because you gave me more time than I really... I yeah, I'm running, I'm running out of light here. I got to get off this mountain. Yeah, I know. All right. <laughs>
Thank you so much, bro. Love you, man. Yeah, I love you too. Folks, back. you saw him here. This is Eric Nice, first reality star on the earth, but he's a rising star in other ways. And we're looking forward to maybe, God willing, you write some books about this stuff one day too, man. Working you on know, my right mom's now. In pub- my mom's in publishing, man. I'm going to call you. She works for Pearson, the largest publishing company in the world. Wow. I might be able All to right. return the favor. I told you, brother. All right. I, when I'm ready, I'm going to send you. And if you got anyone cool, man, send them my way, please, especially within the New York area. They don't have to be famous, man. I interview okay. people that are amazing. I don't give a shit who they are. I, I got someone for you. And I'll if you look you know. at some of my episodes, you'll see, man, I've had some amazing people come on. I got a really good friend of mine that, that will tell, tell some incredible stories. Eric Nice, thank you so much for your time. All right, It's a pleasure to see you again, and uh, thank you for, for reaching out to me after I reached out to you. All right, brother. Peace and love to all those crazy Albanians up in the Bronx. <laughs> and everyone that watches the show. And right on, man. What I always say here is it's never too late to make a comeback peace brother peace my brother you have a great night so there you have it folks Eric Nice what an extraordinary person um, his life is truly amazing when you think about all the different components going from being one of the first reality stars to evolving to where he is today to me it's just unbelievable um, Eric Nice first season of the real world first real reality show um, first real reality show to be the mainstream and in everybody's house and uh, this guy he did it all man he did it all so this is just unbelievable stuff we want to thank him for the time Eric Nice, first reality star 92 real world New York ended up being the host of the grind and many other programs on television and we want to thank him he's uh, living a very different lifestyle now And he's telling you that fame is not everything it's cracked up to be. The key to life is to keep evolving, to keep moving in the right direction, to keep learning, to keep exploring the human realm. And I think, guys, I think I might just take him up on that offer. And maybe you guys will witness me doing ayahuasca for the first time. I don't know. This is Beck Lover. And just remember, you can always make a comeback. Have a great day and stay safe in quarantine.